Thank you for choosing to listen to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church of Noosa. This sermon is the second in our Lenten series for 2024, Why the Cross? And today we're looking at redemption as an aspect of the atonement. The preacher is our new youth minister, Dave Smith. So let's praise before uh, I preach. Uh, Father, would you use my words to speak your truth to us? And would you give us it is to, is to hear what you might have to say in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. It's uh, so great to uh, be with you this morning. As you might gather, my name is Dave, and I'm the new youth pastor and uh, assistant priest uh, for the Anglican Parish of Noosa. And may I just say, um, on behalf of my family, thank you so much for the ongoing um, welcome that we are receiving. And we're slowly getting to know people, but we feel, um, yeah, just such a joy to be here. It's taken a while to get here from UK, but thank you so much uh, for that. Well, as Chris said at the beginning, we are continuing our Lent series, Why the Cross? Um, And this is our second weekend, looking at the various perspectives of the cross. And today we are specifically looking at the idea of redemption. Why the cross to redeem us? Well, I wonder what you think of when you hear the word uh, redemption or the word redeem. Well, one thing came to my mind in an instant when Chris asked me uh, to preach at uh, this service. Um, I came across the word redeem in one of my very first encounters in Australia. Um, I was doing what most people do each week. I went to the supermarket, um, I think it was Coles, and um, bought some groceries. Um, and before I, um, before I got to the checkout, uh, the checkout assistant, or what, before I paid, the checkout assistant said, do you want to redeem your flybys? And, uh, and I was like, what the heck are flybys? I have no idea. Anyways, she went on to explain uh, to me uh, that, um, of course, um, it's like a reward point system. Um, the whole concept is you earn points by spending money at Coles in the first place. I think it's Coles. Um, and then you redeem your points. There's a transaction involved. And, of course, there is a cost uh, as well. They aren't free points. You have to spend money at the supermarket in the first place. And so when I think of the word redeem, I think of nectar points, which probably means nothing to many of you here today. But in the UK, there's a supermarket called Sainsbury's, and their reward point system is nectar. Hence, that's why I thought of nectar points. See, there is a transaction involved. And today, if you kind of look, I'm going to be mainly looking at 1 Peter. So if you want to have that open in front of you, then by all means do, because we're going to be following that. But if you look in this passage, it says in verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Or in another translation, that word redeem is ransomed rather than redeem. And the word for redeem comes from the Greek word lutral, which literally means um, to redeem, like in a marketplace scenario, a bit like the flybys example right at the start of this talk. And so when we think of why the cross as redemption, it's this idea that we've been bought from something or someone at a cost. And so simply today, the message is that we were bought from our slavery to sin, and we are now God's. And the cost was the precious blood of Jesus. So first of all, what are we bought from? Our slavery to sin. And 
I think this is sometimes quite a hard concept for us to uh, to kind of grasp in this culture. I don't know about you, but you might say that we live in a free country. You know, I'm free to work, I'm free to learn, I'm free to vote. I have a choice over who we marry. In many ways, there is a lot of freedom, particularly in comparison to some other cultures around the world. But are we truly free? Well, I've given up sugar for Lent this year, um, in particular cookies. Um, I must confess, since I've come to Australia, I, um, I love Woolworths cookies. I don't know if you know the ones, the dreamy chop chip cookies. They're five for three dollars. They're so good. Every time I go to Woolworths, I kind of put more than one uh, kind of, you know, selection of these in my shopping trolley. And um, I've given them up for Lent because even though I love them, I know ultimately that they aren't the best thing for me. I think I discovered that when all my clothes arrived from England. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, when I first came to uh, Australia, you know, settling in, that kind of whole process, um, if you've ever moved house, I'm sure you'll be able to appreciate. But um, I was kind of relying on sugar, particularly these cookies, to get me through the day. I'd sort of, at the end of the day, I'd sort of just end up having like two or three, you know, just to kind of get me through uh, the last bit of the day. But Lent is a time where we give up things that we rely on, knowing that they're not great for us. And of course it's about remembering that um, Lent is all about the the reminder that all we need is truly found in God. And so you could say that I'm a slave to Woolworths cookies. By the way, I haven't eaten any since Lent, so uh, praise God for that. And while that's kind of like a you know, fun example, you know, often people give up things, particularly food or caffeine or something like that, we all know it goes a bit deeper, don't we? Tim Keller, um, who I, I really admire, um, wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. And he suggested that, that we're all slaves to something. And he particularly uses the example of love, power and money. All things that aren't bad in and of themselves, but can be something that you can become slaves to. And in it, he quotes Rebecca Pippert. He says, whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. And anything that is the Lord of our lives other than God is sin and will ultimately let us down. This is why we are slaves to sin. And Paul says very famously, if you know, in Romans 6, that we were slaves to sin. And ultimately that leads to death when we try to do it on our own. And of course we see this, don't we? When um, before Jesus died on the cross, he celebrated the Passover with his disciples And he used that old mill, the Passover, to help explain to his disciples what he was about to do. And if you know anything about Passover, you will know that it celebrates the great redemption story of God saving and redeeming his people from slavery, from the Egyptians. And the point that Jesus uh, is making here is that his death will be a new Passover. There will be a new redemption This time not from slavery to people, but as Matthew 26 says, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
The cross is not a redemption from slavery to people, but to sin itself. So what was the price of our redemption? Well, if we go back to the passage, um, it says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from, the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And John Stott, if you are familiar with him, says in his great book, The Cross of Christ, The New Testament never presses the imagery to the point of indicating to whom the ransom was paid. But it leaves us in no doubt about the price. It was Christ himself. And for me, this is where the heart of God and the wonderful news of the cross comes to the fore. And there are different views on, uh, on what is going on at the cross when Christ dies. Is God giving up his son in the same way as if I was to go up my son, Jadam? Well, Fleming Routledge, um, who wrote a, kind of a book a few years ago on this, um, it's called The Crucifixion, Understanding the Death of Christ, argues that if we have good Trinitarian theology, you know, that mystery of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being one, that if you follow that to its logical conclusion, then the true reality of what happens on the cross is that God himself pays the price for our redemption from sin. And of course, Peter alludes to this in the next, his next verse in 1 Peter. He says, For he was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. You know, the Trinity has been operating in self-giving love since before the world began. And if you just watch and read through the whole entirety of Scripture, you see that God's heart is to redeem his people constantly again and again. And so at the cross, Christ redeems us from slavery as a very act of the greatest love that we could ever know. You know, this is good news, isn't it? You know, that God himself loves you and I so much that he would willingly give himself to you and I to pray to release us from the slavery of sin and death. What amazing love. But what are we redeemed to? Peter uh, lastly says this in 1 Peter 1 verse 21. He says, Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your hope and faith are set on God. Well, if you follow the marketplace language of ransom, if we are freed from our slavery to sin and death, then where does that leave us? Are we bought by God? That doesn't sound particularly freeing. How can Paul say it from the start of his letters? Proudly, I am a slave to Christ. You know, we live in a world where we don't want to be owned by anything or anyone, particularly not Woolies Cookies. But what does Peter say? He says that your hope and faith are set on God. You know, for Peter, being ransomed means hope. And later on in his letter, he says this beautiful line in chapter 2. He says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that free from sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. For Peter being owned by God is freedom, because in Christ there is healing, and we have returned to the shepherd, the guardian of our souls. I love that line, the guardian of our souls. In the same way that we put boundaries over our sons to keep him safe, that actually that is true freedom for him. It's the same with God, the guardian of our souls. And I love this line again by John Stott. Um, He says this, Bought by Christ, we have no business to become the slaves of anybody or anything else. Once we were the slaves of sin, now we are the slaves of Christ. And his service is the true freedom. We think that freedom means living on our own terms. But this is what Peter describes as futile ways. Isn't this what humanity has been trying to do since the fall? Become our own kings and queens? No. You have been bought, redeemed, rescued from sin and death to new life, faith and hope in God. And I want to finish with a story, uh, if I may. It's a personal story, which I don't always share, um, but I hope that's okay. My first time, particularly here preaching at um, Sunshine Beach. But when I was a a university student, um, I was going through a bit of a rocky time, um, which, you know, I I think being a young person is a challenging time. You're kind of trying to work out what you're about, who you are, and everything like that. And I I remember one day being at home, um, kind of midway through my university time, I remember sort of hearing this thought or, um, yeah, feeling this, this sense um, of, um, of kind of this voice speaking to me about what does it mean to be free? And I'll leave it to you to work out, you know, what that voice was, whether it was the enemy or anything like that, um, whatever your thoughts are on that. But it, it simply said, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be a slave to God. And behind my house uh, back in England were these beautiful rolling hills and, you know, sometimes when we look kind of at the distance, you know, we kind of have that essence of freedom, don't you? You know, I'm not constrained by anything. Running the roaming hills of uh, the South Downs Way in England. It was this image of freedom. And I was really troubled by that. You know, you know, am I being a slave to God? What is this all about? Anyway, I went to the library at university to go and work. And, um, and this kind of thought was troubling me. And in that moment... I had this deep sense, kind of this almost audible voice that wasn't necessarily an audible voice, but the only way I can describe it is something that spoke to the very core of who I am. And it's one of the you know, very few times I can say with absolute certainty that that was the voice of God speaking to me in that moment. And it simply said this, David, you are my son and I call you by name. I love you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. And, and in that moment, I mean, I was in the university library, I wasn't in a church, I wasn't, you know, kind of surrounded by nature or listening to some, you know, deep emotional music. I was in the, literally writing an essay um, for a university, and it hit me like a train, the love of God, you know, that Christ died on the cross because he loves you and I so much, that self-giving love of the Trinity. And I remember it was so powerful that I, I generally started to weep in the university library. And I, I'm not one, I don't cry very often. I remember just you know, drastically trying to get to the, the bathroom, pretending I had something in my eye. Because I was just so overwhelmed by this truth. 
And it was a really big moment in my life in that, in that time. And, you know, I can say that, you know, to this day, as a 33-year-old guy, I can still say that that's true. You know, that God has never forsaken me or left me. In all the craziness, all the ups and downs of life, in Christ there is true freedom. And I think one of the joys of being involved in church is that you get to do it multi-generational. There's something amazing about um, hanging out with the youngest people in your church. Even just being a new dad, I feel that sense of wonder that my son just gets when he sees a car driving past. But also, you know, with people who have walked the faith for years and they can still say, do you know what, God has never forsaken me or left me. And in Christ, because in Christ there is true freedom. And part of that is why I'm so passionate about young people. Um, I, I think, as I said before, I think it's hard to be a young person today. That was my experience growing up. You know, the world offers a false freedom. You know, do whatever you want. But for me, what I've discovered is that true freedom, freedom is being found in Christ, the guardian and shepherd of our souls, who loves us so much that he willingly gave himself to buy us from our slavery to sin so that we can truly be free now and for eternity. And so do pray for our young people. It's been a great joy to get to know uh, the young people of our church. I mean that in, in all sincerity. It's been a real joy to get to know them and just to see them work out uh, their own story. You know, pray um, that, and while I pray for you guys, that God, you will continue to know the love that God has for you. But also for us, I hope that we might pray for the young people of our parish. You know, for those who don't know Christ. You know, that they might know the love of God and the freedom that is indeed found in Christ. Not just for now, but for eternity. Because of what Christ did on the cross for us. And so as I finish, I guess my challenge to all of us, you know, as we come to celebrate Lent and Easter, uh, again, for some of us for more years than I've been born, but my challenge of us is to never lose the wonder of the cross. Never take for granted what Christ has done for each and every one of us. No matter what you think about yourself, Christ has done it. And so I want to finish with the lines of a beautiful hymn that we're actually going to uh, sing, what's going to be uh, sung over us during communion, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Great, great hymn. But I love that last line. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And I hope that you might join me that that's how I want to live my life every day. To turn from sin and to live for Christ. Because in him there is true freedom, now and forevermore. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.